life is full of choices and it's full of moments. And it's amazing how often we fail to realize the connection between the choices we make and the very moments we're experiencing. You know, we hear a lot about living in the moment, I'm air quoting as I say that, and that's good, right? To be present, aware, yes, all that there. But today on the Isle of Misfits, we have the pleasure of talking to Ginger Harrington. Now she has a few things to say about being in the moment that, that is not just being, but being holy in the moment. And that just happens to be the name of her brand new book. And if that sounds too religious for you, just hold on because I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. So let's get right to it and welcome Ginger to the Isle of Misfits. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, Nancy. You have a, a way of making people feel extremely welcome. So it's great to be here. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yes, and you are most welcome. We're so thrilled to have you here. Um, now, I just, I got to lead off by saying this. So I often find that books that find their way to me have this kind of providential timing. You know, I, I don't know if that's ever happened to you. You know, something just falls mm -hmm. into your lap at just the right time. And I will tell you that yours definitely falls into that category for me. Um, I'm, I'm still reading through it, but I can tell you already it's been a very well-timed gift for me. So before I say so, anything else, I just want to say thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. That's a, that's a God thing, and I love it. I love watching him work. Yeah, and isn't that, isn't that great when that happens? You know, it's just the, the right book at the right time. It's, it's just an amazing mm -hmm. thing. So, all right, so Ginger, I... I, I kind of want to go right in. Let's just let's just get right to the word. I, I already kind of prefaced and set it up by saying holiness. You know, that's that's a big word, right? It's it's kind of an intimidating word for some people, and maybe even a little misunderstood. So, can we talk about this word holiness for a minute? Sure. You know, holiness is not really common everyday conversation. You know, you're not in the grocery store, see a friend, and you don't go, oh, hey, how are you, girl? How holy are you today? You know, it's just, it doesn't roll off the tongue like that. And we tend to think of holiness more as a high church formal concept. But when we can um, step back from our perception of holiness and look at what scripture says about it and what some of the definitions are about holiness, it can really reframe our thinking. And for me, that happened as I was struggling with anxiety and insecurity and perfectionism and, and just this, you know, drive to perform well and to be accepted and approved. I'm sure you can't relate to any of that. Not at all. But, no, my um, life is perfect. Yeah. So just so you know. Yeah. Yes, I thought it might be. But, you know, all of those things, those are the things that we struggle with. You know, there might be a situation in life that's, you know, causing problems, but those are the things that we're struggling with under the circumstances. And as I began to realize that holiness um, is, the, the English roots of that word had to do with being whole and uninjured, healthy, complete, and happy. I was shocked when what? I saw that. Like, no, that doesn't sound right. I thought it was being, yeah, I thought it was being rigid and legalistic and, you know, all about rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the job that man has done on uh, the word holy. We have this way of making things overcomplicated and rewriting what God said. <laughs> and, right. you know, the scripture does talk about holiness as a high concept because we have a high God. 
But we also have a high God that's in the details and who knows us intimately. And his whole purpose is to draw us to himself and free us up to be the people that he created us to be. And that's where holiness comes in. Right, right. And, you know, I, you know, I was, I was being somewhat facetious about, you know, I thought it was legalistic. I mean, I'll say this in my head, everything that you just said, I know is true. It resonates with me and I know it in my head, but you also say something. Um, I'm going to see if I can find this quote. Cause I loved it. You, you basic. Okay. Let's see if I can find it. The soul, the inner life of personality, mind, will, and emotions is like a deep pool filled with what each of us believe really believe and not just what we know or agree with and i love that quote because that's so true there's what we know and what we agree with right yeah i know that i believe that but Mm -hmm. then there's what we really believe deep in the core of our being and that's what we act on yes and that in reality is the truth that we live right and you know the process of sanctification and just to kind of put a fun spin on sanctification sometimes I just say oh getting holied up (laughs) right yeah and there's another big buzzword right sanctification (laughs) oh yes yes but it's that process of of becoming the person that God created us to be in line with our our identity in Christ and learning to live that truth out and that identity out in our real life and that includes what we're really thinking, what we're really experiencing, what we're really believing, and what we're really feeling. And so um, that is the truth that we live. And so oftentimes we know something, we believe it, but our emotions or some of the misperceptions and lies that we've believed from our past experiences and how we've learned to cope with life get in the kind of muddy up the water. You know, if you think about getting into, you know, a nice, nice clear, you have a nice clear pond and you start to walk in and your feet stir up the silt at the bottom, it kind of muddies up the water. And the truth is still there, but it's kind of been mm. clouded up by the debris that you, you know, stirred up with your feet. Oh, and, and I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so letting God in, you know, in an intimate way of really trusting him to a point where you can say, okay, Lord, it's not all pretty underneath the surface. But I know that you um, desire to make me holy and whole. And that makes me think of one of the core scriptures that this book is centered around is First Thessalonians 5.23. And particularly in the message translation, just because it pulls in a word that is true to the definition of holiness, but is not in some of the other versions of scripture. And it talks about God, that God the one who makes us holy and whole. May he put you together, holy and whole, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you together. Mm-hmm. And I always joke about, um, you know, my I don't have it together moments, and I wish I could get it all together. And so when I read that version in scripture, it really hit home for me because I, like I said before, I had been struggling with anxiety, and anxiety is one of those things that it, it kind of takes control, and you want to stop feeling anxious, you want to stop worrying, but you can't necessarily control what you're thinking and feeling and it it kind of it really does a number on your faith life because you think oh if i had more faith i wouldn't feel this way and so you kind of get into the self-condemning shaming lectures to yourself and those are the things that only god can heal we try to you know find five steps to not feel anxious or five steps to be patient or five steps to fix the people around us 
And, um, but those are the things that only God can do. So when we can relax and really trust him and really believe what he says and believe that he is who he says he is, then we open the way for the Holy Spirit to work in a more present way because we're not so resisting trying to make everything line up like we think it should. Right, right. And, okay, so there's there's sort of a tension here for me because I hear you saying this, and uh, I'll go back to my original, you know, uh, dichotomy between, all right, I know this, I agree with this, and I believe this. So there's this thing within me, and maybe I'm unusual, maybe not. I don't know. I am a misfit, so it could just be me. But, <laughs> all right, you said it comes down to what we believe, right? So we faith doesn't come by trying harder. It comes by by believing, right? Um, you talk about yeah, the decision of a moment, true. right? To believe or not, mm-hmm. to trust or not. Within that, I think the tension is, all right, but I don't feel it, and I don't, you know, I know I should, but there, there is an element of trying even in that choice to have faith. Yes, yes, you're right, exactly, because part of choosing is a trying. Um, and for me, the feeling piece was the, was the roadblock for me right. because, you know, anxiety and depression, um, low self-esteem, feeling insecure, all of those things tie into the emotional component, but they're our emotions are reflecting what we believe in the moment. Hmm. And so what I'm discovering is that those emotions reveal what I'm actually believing, the truth that I'm actually living in the moment. And so when that is not lining up with, you know, what God says is true, then I see I have an opportunity to choose. And, you know, before I would just say, well, I don't feel close to God. I don't feel like God is accepting me. I don't feel like I'm doing well enough. And now I am learning to say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm feeling like a misfit today, but I, the truth is that I'm completely accepted by you. I'm completely loved by you, and you're working in my life. So I'm going to trust you with these feelings, and I'm going to choose to believe what is true, and I'm going to walk forward in that and ask you to bring my feelings in line with what's true. Because so oftentimes I was trying to get, you know, make truth fit what I was feeling. And that's not the direction God designed us to live. And then, you know, part of that's like, you know, when we talk in scripture about putting on our new self, that putting on that new self, we already are um, free in Christ. But putting on that identity is that process of learning to choose it, learning to walk in it and live in it. You know, when you think about your favorite sweater, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you look forward to putting that favorite sweater on, you feel good in it, it's comfortable, and you actually put it on, and then you live your day in it. You know, you you, you don't just take it off, you know, like, oh, here's a problem, let me take my favorite sweater off, you stay dressed. Mm. And um, I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever, but just this concept of learning to live in the truth and allow our feelings to come in line with truth, and feelings are... Um, they are wayward children in life. They don't obey what we tell them to do. And, you know, that's an area where we really have to trust God and just hang on to what's true and let him bring the feelings in line. And sometimes that takes a little bit of time, but when we keep choosing holy, when we keep choosing to trust, when we keep choosing to rely on Christ in the moment, he brings us through, and that's where miracles happen. 
that's where faith grows, that's where we really begin to enjoy our relationship with God when, he's, when we see him work like that. Right. And you know what, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think I think it's really important, you know, in what you said there, I, I picked up kind of like three important, and I, I hate to <laughs> reduce it down to steps, the so three important steps to follow. But there were three things that I identified in what you just said. And the first one is to acknowledge our emotion, yeah. right? And, and it's very easy because you, you know, you're right when you say, you know, emotions, our feelings are wayward and they can, you know, they can really send us off the rails and, and make us a little crazy sometimes. But I think what happens sometimes, often, maybe, I don't know. Um, but the tendency can be, well, I have to suppress this feeling or I have to deny this feeling because I already know, like I'm already editing myself in this feeling okay. saying this I is no that. good and I can't feel this, it's wrong. So I skip over that and I try to go to the right answer. And for me, that creates a lot of problems because now I'm not being honest. So I think yeah. there's something about acknowledging what you're feeling in hey. that moment. Oh, I agree with you completely. There is real power in acknowledging what you're feeling. And feelings aren't, feelings don't have a moral component. They just are. It's, it's the messages that we attach to them, and it's the things that we do with them that, you know, can bring us to a, a good choice or a bad choice. But to feel upset about something, that that's not wrong. But the feeling is a messenger. Okay, why am I feeling upset? What am I really believing in the moment? Am I, you know, sometimes I can remember when my kids were little and, you know, it would be bedtime and I would work hard to get them into bed and those last five glasses of water, you know, mm -hmm. all the stall tactics. And in my mind, I was ticking down, this is my time. You are invading my time. I want to sit down and read a book or whatever I wanted to do. And I would start to get frustrated and resentful. And, you know, then I would, you know, kind of shame, like, you shouldn't feel that way. You're a mom. Good moms don't feel frustrated yeah. and resentful of their kids when they won't go to bed. But, mm -hmm. you know, bad choices can come from that. I can choose to get snippy. I can choose, you know, I can choose to respond to those emotions in a variety of ways. But when I would step back and go, okay, why am I feeling frustrated? One, they're not obeying. That is frustrating. But two, I'm also clinging so hard to this private time that I deserve that when they encroach on that it makes me angry and I realized that I had you know kind of been being selfish about that and that's not to say that it's selfish to want time to yourself but that I was hanging on to that so tightly that I wasn't making good choices when those emotions came forward but if I just acknowledged those emotions okay this is making me upset we do need to get the kids to bed and I would like to have some time to myself, but Lord, I'm going to surrender my rights. If I have some time to myself tonight, I'm going to trust you. I hope that you'll provide it. But right now, let's go deal with these kids in a loving and purposeful way. And um, that just changes. It, it changes the scenario. And that's where the practical power of, of being mindful and intentional and choosing in the moment that if we skip over our emotions, they're going to drive, they're going to drive the train rather than us bringing our emotions in, long, in line with a good choice. Exactly. Because if I don't, if I don't acknowledge whatever it is I'm feeling in that moment, I can't ask that really important question that you asked, why? 
Why am I feeling sweat? What's mm-hmm. what's really going on here? And it's not necessarily, I mean, yeah, I have to answer that, but really the goal is, okay, let's bring this to God and, and invite him into this moment. And we can't really invite him in if we're denying, well, I shouldn't feel this way, or, uh, you know, let's, let's get to the right answer. That's that's not the honest relationship God wants. So, all right, so that's number one. And then, and then the second thing was, you know, it seems like you're talking about, okay, we have to kind of declare the truth. Okay, here's how I'm feeling. Now, here's what is true. And how does this line up? How is what I'm feeling? Is it lining up with the truth? Is there any truth at all in this? And then, mm-hmm. you know, and then the, the third thing is, now I got to make a choice. Okay, so yeah, it's lining up. No, it's not lining up. So what am I going to do? Am I going to choose to believe the truth? Or am I going to stay in this, in this little funk that I'm in? Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, the whole second section of the book is the subtitle of that second section is Embrace Truth, and it deals with our prayer life, it deals with our listening to God, our attentiveness to God, and being able to trust Him in the moment. It has to, um, and there goes my dog. (laughs) That's okay, he's in the moment. Yes, he is. He's joining the moment. It has to do with um, our thoughts and our feelings and our obedience. Right. And you know those are those are very interior things, and and the truth is so powerful in helping us to receive wholeness and let God work in those interior places. Right. Yes. Because you you talk about experiences that push you past your current level of faith, and I think that it, I'm seeing a connection there because it's all right. So here's how I'm feeling. Here's the truth. Here's what I've known so far, but. There was there was another quote that you had that goes along with that. It's early early on the book. You you talked about you know I wanted relief, but God wanted growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there there's something to this that um, you know it's not that God wants us to be miserable. It's not that He delights in that, but but there's an end goal of trust. You know, trusting Him. There there's something that results from trusting Him in these moments in the you know you you speak of them as even mundane moments so talk a little more about that you know we we tend to look at okay well there's these big life choices that we make and i got to trust you for the big thing the job the husband you know should i do this should i move across the country should you know but most of life are not those huge moments right most most of life is the, mm-hmm. the little mundane moments so talk a little bit about that yeah a couple of you know, just in the last couple of days, a couple of ways that that showed up in my life is um, last week I had a nine-hour drive, and, you know, I got in the car, and my back was kind of aching from the get-go, and so the anxious part of me immediately spiraled forward to, I'm going to be miserable by the time we get there. And then I just, you know, I just stopped and I prayed, and I said, Lord, I don't want to be miserable by the time I get there, but, you know, my back is what it is right now, and... I'm going to pray that you, you know, work in this mundane moment of just driving in the car and and relieve that pressure. But even if you choose not to, I'm just going to trust you with that. And I'm going to ask you to let this time in the car be a time that we're communing and, and conversing with each other, being my thoughts. And I'm just going to trust you with the situation as it is and trust you to get me there without too much discomfort. And, you know, it, that was just, it's just that little holy habit of saying, this is the moment, Lord, I'm asking you into this moment. I'm going to trust you with this moment, no matter what it looks like. But this is what my hope is. This is what I'm asking for. 
But more than anything, I want to be, you know, experienced and be present with you in that moment. And then, you know, when I was on that trip, I had a meeting, and the meeting was a little bit like herding cats, and I'm not a very good multitasker. And, you know, I was tempted to be overwhelmed, and I was just like, you know, no, Lord, this is, this is great. We're getting so many, so many ideas and input, and I'm just going to trust you, Holy Spirit. Show yourself, express yourself right now, and help me just leave this meeting so that we're productive and everyone is heard rather than it just spirals into a million rabbit trails. Mm. And it worked out to be a great meeting. Um, it, w- it was a little bit like herding cats, but it was still productive, and creativity is oftentimes that way. But yes. those are just yeah. two simple moments um, from my everyday life in the last couple of days where just to stop and say, okay, Lord, I need a little help here, um, <laughs> but I'm going to trust you at the moment, and I'm going to rely on you, and please express yourself in me in this moment. And that's where the difference comes. So oftentimes, I think we try to just handle it ourselves. And sometimes that works real well for us, and that trains us to be independent. And then sometimes it doesn't work well, and then we just go around feeling feeling ducky. <laughs> right. Yeah, so... so yeah. Yeah, so in other words, you don't have to wait until life is this Pinterest perfection moment for God to show up in the middle of these things. What good news? Wow, that's, you know, and I'm joking, but and again, this is something, all right, we know this, but do we really live our lives in, in these smaller moments with recognizing that, being conscious of that, that, hey, you know what, um, I'm about to go into this meeting, and yeah, it could be a train wreck, um, but I'm inviting you in, God, right now. And and there he, there he was. He shows up. Surprise. You know, and it shouldn't be a surprise, right? Right. You know, and sometimes we think when we invite God in that that's going to make the moment perfect. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily, the moment's still, you know, the moment's still going to have some messiness to it sometimes. But when we've invited God in and when we've said, Lord, I'm going to rely on you, then we can, you know, as a believer, we can trust that he's going to work in our thoughts and in our responses because we've invited him in. And so, you know, to to trust him to be who he says he is. Mm. And to trust him to actually work in the moment. And that happens in our thoughts and our feelings, really. Um, it happens, you know, how he works in the situation at large. But it first starts with us and what's happening with, happening with us internally. And I just, you know, people who are anxious, we've just got this ironhold grip of control on life, you know, because we're so afraid that things are going to go south. And so, you know, just learning to be able to relax and really believe that God is a good, good father. And they, that, that when the Holy Spirit is present, he really is present. And so it's just that truth that we're learning to live. And that's so important because what, that, what that does is it allows God to renew our minds and transform our lives so that the life that we're living begins to line up with who we actually are in Christ rather than who we've been in the past and the ways that we've learned to cope with life apart from Christ. Mm, amen. That sounds good to me. So, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like, um, all right, so we have on one, on in this corner, okay, on this side of the pendulum, I'm picturing in my mind or in the continuum, there is this anxiety, right? This, this uh, oh, I'm out of control and I can't do anything about it. And what am I going to do? And I'm trying, I'm trying. And the more I try, the more anxious I feel. And then in this corner, as I gesture with my right hand, 
there's freedom. There's freedom from that. And, you know, the road, I think we all want freedom, right? Who doesn't want freedom? I mean, it's free. Mm -hmm. But we think often the, the road to freedom is grit your teeth, try harder, try harder, try harder. Um, and that keeps us in that, that vicious cycle of anxiety. So let's talk a little bit about this freedom. And I mean, we've been talking about it all along, how we get there. You know, the, the key is trusting in God. And But let, let's talk a bit, you know, it almost sounds like a no-brainer. Of course, we want freedom. But what do you see as the end goal of these moments of trusting, of cultivating this holiness? How do you see that manifesting in freedom? That's a great question. Part of that is that God is transforming our minds. Uh, Romans 12, 1 talks about um, renewing your minds and being transformed and offering, offering yourselves a living and holy sacrifice. And that sacrifice word, you know, we tend to think of um, goats on the altar. But that sacrifice really, I think, is, is about surrender, surrendering our control, surrendering our rights, um, surrendering the things that we think we have to have to be okay. And that surrender piece is really what opens the door to freedom. Because as long as I'm holding on to things have to be a certain way for me to be okay and for me to be calm and for me to be mm-hmm. productive and, and that kind of thing, then I'm still in control of my life. I'm still trying to do it on my own. I'm still trying to force life into the mold that I have said, this has to be like this for me to feel good about life, for me to feel good about myself. Oh my gosh, I'm or so good. guilty. Yeah, I'm so guilty of that. Like, okay, until so-and-so, until X is okay, I can't be okay. Right. But when we can surrender that and, and say, you know, Lord, I surrender my life right for this to be okay. I surrender my right for it not to be okay. And the point is I'm going to trust you in the moment and, and I'm going to rely on your spirit because your spirit is in me, you know, and, and help me get where you want to go. I think one of the things that I was really, really struggling with was I didn't really believe God was going to work in my thoughts and my emotions and really get me where he wanted me to go. I thought it was dependent on me making the right choices. And as if every choice and decision had an A that is God's will, you know, like the, the beanie lights that go, boom, 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 mm-hmm. you got the right answer. Life mm-hmm. is going to be perfect. And the choice B is you didn't choose God's will, so now you're going to miss out on all God's blessings. And what that did was that created this incredible internal pressure to get it right. Oh, my gosh, yes. To make the perfect decision every single time. And I am not a great decision maker, <laughs> you know. And oh, me neither. You should see me at Cheesecake Factory. I'm a mess. Oh, oh, that's not even go there. <laughs> but you know what? I, what that was doing was I was putting my faith up in me to make the right decision. And if I mess mm. up, I'm going to miss out on God's perfect will. I'm going to miss out on His best, rather than realizing if I offer this decision to the Lord and I trust him with it and I say, well, you can do whatever you want to in this situation because I know that you are good and what you decide is good. Even if it's hard, you're at work in it and I'm really going to trust that. And so when I do that, that allows me to let God be God 
and and let me be let me be the child. And um, you know that's such a contrary message from the way the world works. But so oftentimes that fear of not making the right decision as if there was only one answer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think God wants us to trust Him in the decision and trust Him with where that decision leads because His I think sometimes he's much more interested in what's happening inside of us and in our relationship with him than whether or not we went to this school or that school or bought this house or that house. Oh, my gosh. This is monumental stuff you're talking about. I mean, this is so, so important because you said the world works this way. And I'm not not here to cast aspersions on the church, but I'm just, I am here to say that I think a lot of us in the church don't get this. I think we also think there's only one way. And I'm, you know, in saying that, I don't know, I may even edit my own comments out here because I'm just speaking off the top of my head. But, you know, a, a lot of times we, I, I'm not I'm not here to say that there isn't such a thing as right or wrong and, and to get into all of that. But right, what you're talking about moral truth. Right, right. Situation. Yeah, but this, this idea that I've got to get it perfect and I've got to make the right decision or God's got, not going to be pleased with me, that's really... Like you said, that's focusing on me. That's not focusing on God. That's that's almost worshiping my own ability to to hear from Him rather than seeking Him. Mm-hmm. Right. And here's you know here's a beautiful example of in the year 2000 I had Graves' disease and that's where my struggle with anxiety went. And the whole first chapter of the book is about that. But one of the things that I you know it really watched my faith in some respect because why can't I stop being anxious? I can't control this. And where that ended up was just the decision, I have to believe God no matter what I feel. But what God did with, and that was a, that anxiety, I'm a military wife, and it, it hit with a move. And that, that anxiety came back full force almost to a debilitating level every time we moved. Mm. Well, that was, you know, sure. 2000, that was 18 years ago. That was, we did five moves. And so this was an ongoing, not everyday battle, but it was an ongoing battle in my life. And, um, and yet, I kept thinking, I'm making all the wrong decisions because I can't get control of this. But as I made the decision to get some help with that, rather than try to fix it on my own, and let a loving counselor come alongside of me and, and really work through and begin to understand that, God began to give some freedom about that from these concepts that are in this book. And, you know, fast forward 18 years, what to me was my greatest failure in life became the driving force that became this book. And God is doing, he's redeemed that struggle. He's equipped me to handle, you know, to address anxiety in a healthy and productive way because it will come back. You know, we live in a real world. Um, and just using this book to impact the lives of others. And so, you know, just that what God can do with what I thought was my wrong decision and my not getting it together, when I invited him into that and really began to surrender and let him take control and let him start really healing me and things like that. He did something really powerful with it, something I can't do. You know, this book is, I I read this book and I go, oh, I didn't write that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I my hand was on the page and my fingers were on the keyboard, but the Holy Spirit was definitely working in the writing of this book and he did above and beyond what 
I am able to do and what I dreamed he would do. But it all started with this place in my life where I thought, I don't have it together with this. I'm struggling with this. And I, you know, equated myself as less than. Um, mm. I said all kinds of terrible things to myself with this struggle with anxiety. You're a disappointment. You can't get it together. You're, you're not emotionally dependable when the ch- chips are down. Mm. And, do, yeah. and don't, so many of us do that to ourselves, too. Even so... God has a way of redeeming our hard places, and that's an example of how he, he starts putting us together holy and whole, and the things that were problems in our lives, um, the things that were tests in our lives become testimonies. You know, mm-hmm. kind of a little cliche, but it's really very true. Very true, very true. So, okay, so now we're on the road to freedom, okay? So this whole idea of freedom, okay, so now I'm free, or I'm moving towards freedom. Now what? What's, what is freedom for, Ginger Harrington? Freedom is for enjoying the life that you were created to live. So that your identity, you are fully living in the identity and the rights and the privileges and the freedoms that you have as a child of God. So oftentimes people say, well, I'm not holy. I'm not a saint. I don't feel holy. But the truth is it's not what we do or how we act that makes us holy. It's a birthright given to us the very moment that we choose to ask Christ to be our Savior, the very moment that we put our faith in God. And and it's a gift that we receive, not a standard of conduct that we achieve. Mm. And so freedom is learning to live that out moment by moment, day by day, to where our emotions and the lies that we believed and the old habits and patterns of trying to control or maybe we're exploders or maybe we're stuffers, you know, all of those kinds of things that God is teaching us new ways to live and new ways to think and act and navigate life in a way that line up with who we actually are and the power of Christ working within us. That's freedom. I rather like that definition of freedom. Uh, I love how you said it's a gift that we receive, not a standard that we achieve. I love it. I love it because it, you know, it just rolls off the tongue, but it's it's just truth and it's poetry all at the same time. Um, and yeah, the idea that we, that God has given us new ways to think that line up with the truth of who we are. What a wonderful definition of freedom. Um, and what a wonderful, like you said, this it's it's a goal, and yet it's a, it's a gift, right? It's not something that we have to strive for to earn. It's something that we have to agree with that's already at our disposal if we would only agree and line up our thoughts and actions. Yes, and you know we want to we want this to happen. Like you know, read this book and put these things into practice. And I hope you know I want people to read my book and I want them to put these things into practice. But even so, God is at work over a lifetime within us and he takes time he doesn't you know force us to grow at a supersonic speed all the time sometimes he steps in and he does just a a massive work and and a, a revelation that just totally changes the way that we think about something and he does it all at once and then sometimes just like that statement that you pulled out from the book i wanted relief but god wanted growth Sometimes he allows us to kind of be in the fray, in the pressure for a period of time so that we grow through that experience. And, you know, he's got, he, he chooses different ways to work depending on what he's trying to accomplish. But at the end of the day, freedom is not just for not being bound up by sin. Um, it also has to do with 
being being able to be a light in the world and being able to share that freedom and share the love of God and to love other people well, to shine with that freedom because freedom changes how you how you feel about yourself, it changes how you feel about God and it changes how you feel about other people and the work that you do. And the second half the third half the third half, that makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the last third of the book is on enjoying life. The the Zoe life of Christ that is um, energetic, it's pure, it's holy, and it is how God works, how God thinks. Righteousness is um, being able to think, like, you know, think with the rightness that God has, and it affects other people. And so the end, end game is to be able to shine the light of Christ in a broken and hurting world and in broken and hurting relationships. And that's a great end game. And that that seems to be, you know, the the full circle. We start, you know, we start with this place of, hey, this is where I am. This is what I'm feeling. It's not perfect. But God shows up even in the midst. We don't have to wait for things to get perfect. In fact, we shouldn't wait because we'll never, we'll never know this freedom that you speak of until we let him meet us in those imperfect moments. Oh, Ginger, there's so much more I would like to talk to you about. In fact, I would just like to, at this moment, just invite you to come back because we didn't even talk about the fact um, you you have a military ministry. I would love to hear so much more about. Um, and we didn't even really, my fault, mention the fact that you are an award-winning blogger. You are a speaker, a ministry leader, military wife. I think you mentioned that. But there's so much more I would love to learn about you and and um, some of these wonderful opportunities God has given you. Well, thank you. I, I would love to come back. And, um, yeah, it is a joy to blog and to speak. Speaking is probably, it's my favorite. I love being in real time with people, whether it's, you know, in an interview like this or in a live event. It's just, I love seeing how God moves in the moment to bring a message to the hearts of the people that are listening at that time. Just super cool stuff. Well, let's, yes, I'm, I'm going to just give you an open invitation to come back and let's continue this discussion. But until then, let's talk about how people can get a hold of this book. Sure. This book is available pretty much wherever books are sold. Online, all the booksellers, um, Amazon, Christian Books, Lifeway, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, you know, Pokesbury. They're all carrying it. The bookstores, it's been a little spotty. I've I don't live near a Christian bookstore, um, but I've been in a couple of bookstores, and one carried it and several didn't. So online is probably your best way to get the books, but hopefully um, bookstores will be carrying it more and more. So people can go and ask for a bookstore to carry it if it's not in their town, but online is a great way to get it. Excellent. You heard it, folks. So speaking of online, I imagine it might be available on your blog. So tell us a little bit about how we can find your blog. My blog is gingerharrington.com. Easy, and, simple. Yes, I have a whole a whole landing page with quotes and graphics to share, information about the book. All of the booksellers are listed. Um, some of the reviews, a few review comments are on there, and I will be attaching some of the interviews and things like that to that page as well. I'm not quite there yet, but all the information about what the book is about, how people are responding, how you can share the book, and how you can buy the book is right there at gingerharrington.com. Excellent. So, and that's Harrington with two R's in case you're taking notes. Yes. There you go. Well, Ginger, thank you so much for sharing this really such 
beyond insightful is just this stuff is transformational if we will only internalize it and that's a work that i guess has to happen when we allow god to enter into our imperfect moments so thank you for these reminders um thank you for writing this book for being obedient to write it and um thank you for joining us today thanks so much for having me nancy this has been fabulous uh we'll look forward to continuing this conversation soon So truly, you have to read this book. Seriously, I'm going to check up and find out. There will be a test. What a great conversation about such important, really life-changing stuff with Ginger. And you can visit her at gingerharrington.com to get yourself a copy or two because it's the kind of thing you'll want to give away. And while you're there, check out her blog. Like I said, we're going to have her back soon just because it was so much fun talking with her and she has so much more stuff to say that we need to hear. And hey, speaking of needing to hear, if you know a someone or maybe a couple of someones who'd be encouraged by today's conversation, by all means, share this podcast and visit me at the isleofmisfits.com. That's I-S-L-E of misfits.com for more great conversations like these and a few blog posts of my own. And you can even subscribe, that way you won't miss a thing. And if you just happen to love what you're hearing, please look us up and give us some love on iTunes. Next up, we have an amazing conversation with an amazing friend of mine who has an amazing story. And yeah, I know that's a lot of amazing going on, but trust me. And stay tuned. And until then, you know the drill. Own your awkward, love your fellow misfit, and keep your eyes open for beauty and truth because it's everywhere.